Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Notice, they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne of God, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Today on our program, our scripture says, like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. This is the voice of God, which is also introduced in Revelation 1 verse 15 and Revelation 4 verse 5. Perhaps God spoke here to proclaim his approval of these 144,000 faithful servants in the spirit of Matthew 25 verse 21, which says, well done good and faithful servant. Those are the words we all will be listening for when we meet him face to face. Now let's listen to Pastor Rob as he continues our study in Revelation 14, starting in verse 2. When they were taken captive in Babylon around 606 BC, they were in Babylon for about 20 years before Jerusalem in 586 was finally destroyed. So while he was still in Babylon prophesying to those captives still there, he was talking about this destruction of the temple and the things that were going to happen. And he mentions in Ezekiel 9 verse 3, notice the similarity of something in the Old Testament that is coming yet in the future to us. Notice Ezekiel 9 verse 3. Now the glory of the God of Israel, and this is a vision that God had given to Ezekiel, the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over the all the abominations that are done within it. To the others, he said in my hearing, go after them throughout the city and kill them. In other words, those who don't have the mark. Do you see the difference? The Antichrist puts a mark on you, but you will ultimately be destroyed. But when God puts a mark on you, you are preserved. And that's exactly what is happening here. He says, to the others, he said in my hearing, go after them throughout the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. And, and, and this is hard, okay? This is a hard verse. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Do you think God is serious about sin? He says judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us... What's going to happen to those outside of Christ? 
That's why it's so important for us to be serious about our faith, to be serious about what the Bible says, to be serious about sin. May we not take it lightly and just kind of dismiss it. If you're like me, it's very easy for me to dismiss my own sin, but I don't like other people's sin. I look at somebody else's sin, it could be the same as mine, but why is it that I hate that more than I hate my own? Maybe because I see my reflection. Maybe I see my reflection, I'm like, I really hate that, and I know God hates that, and the Lord's going, well, can you see your reflection in the mirror? Oh. Oh. Wait a minute, the Bible's supposed to be about me getting information so that I can point my finger at other people. And God's saying, oh no, it starts with you. It starts with us. Then we share it with others. But first, let us be wounded. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And there's no one greater than a friend than Jesus. He's more than a friend, actually. He loves you and I so much. He loves us so much to tell us the truth. He won't lie to us. If somebody lies to you, they don't love you. If somebody's manipulating you, they don't love you. Jesus does neither. He gives you the choice, and you come to him of your own free volition. Of your own free will, you come to him. It can be no other way. It can be no other way. And we, too, are sealed. Just as those 144,000 are going to be sealed in their foreheads, you and I, if you're a child of God, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you, too, have been sealed. What does it tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21? Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, notice, who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as an earnest, as a guarantee. It's a down payment because he's coming back to get what he paid for. He's coming back again. He's placed the down payment in us and it's just a moment. It won't be much longer. And he's going to say, now I'm going to redeem the whole thing. That's when we are redeemed. Our body is redeemed. That's why in Revelation, or I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 15 and and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, it talks about what happens at the rapture of the church. Our bodies are made incorruptible. If the rapture were to occur right now and all of us would receive a body instantly, it would be brand new. This old, I don't know what happens to this old tent. I don't know if it just falls down and something new is created or God just, he can transform what's here and make it something beautiful. And praise God for that. <laughs> but notice, we're sealed, folks. We're sealed. The, the Greek word is fragizo, and it means a Stamp. It's a, a private mark. It's a signet. It's a seal that God places on it, on you, and that's irrevocable. And once that seal is placed on you, it doesn't get taken away. It cost someone their life in the old days when somebody would a king would take a letter and he would take that wax and that 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 candle and he would burn the wax on the on the envelope or on the letter and he would seal it and he'd stamp it with a signet ring. The penalty of death was to anyone who opened that other than the recipient of that letter. And that's that's the idea behind this. Only God can give you the seal and nobody else can touch it. That's why you have an assurance of salvation. Are you still struggling with sin? Of course we are. We all struggle with things. Don't be discouraged by that. You're you're human. But you've been redeemed, and God wants to conform you to his image. It's the process of sanctification. It takes time, and I am not very patient in that process. I want the end result now because I'm American. I want it my way right away. As I sip on my vanilla shake from Burger King, I want it my way right away. 
But it doesn't work that way. Between now and then is a host of struggles and trials and tribulations, wrestlings, cryings, fits, hives, spittings, kickings. It's difficult. Great glory, don't get me wrong, great joy at the same time. It's a funny thing, isn't it? But it is. Is it easy? Is the Christian life easy? Is there anyone here who can say the Christian life? That's oh, a piece of cake. Once I got saved, I was kicking back. Huh. I don't know what Bible you're reading from. Yes, there is. There's great joy. There's great peace. But I tell you what, though, there is a battle. And if you don't sense that battle, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I really one of his? Because there is a battle. There's a battle for your soul. Even though the devil, the devil can't take your soul, he can mess with you, and he can, he can play games with your head, and he can, make your wit- he can, he can try to tarnish your, your witness. He can try to take your life, if God will allow him. But he can't take away your soul. He can't take away where you're going. There's nobody who can do that. Didn't God, didn't Jesus say that? Don't fear him who can, you know, who can, you know, just kill you. Fear one who has the ability not only to take your life, but to also send your soul to hell. So he's got the authority over those things. No one else. But you are sealed in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 13, it says, In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, notice, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, again, who is the guarantee or the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession. That redemption of the purchased possession comes at the rapture of the church. The seal, the promise is in us now, the Spirit of God. And at the rapture, God says, now I'm going to take what's mine. Completely, bodily. And I'm looking forward to that, are you? In Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know those bottles, when you, when you drink a Coke or something like that, or a bottled water, you take it and you redeem it for 10 cents? You're that bottle. You got something in you right now. But there's coming a time when you're going to, the chips are going to be cashed in and God's going to take you. He's going to give you a new body. And the seal, I heard it talk like this, the seal is like an engagement ring. It's a promise. When, guys, when you give your fiancé a ring, it's a promise. I give my life and my heart to you right now. And this is a promise that I want to marry you. I want to marry you. And Jesus has betrothed us unto himself, and he will return for us just as he said he would. In John 14, what did it say? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might also be. That's what we're talking about. It's a promise. It's a promise. He's coming. And we've already looked at 1 Thessalonians 4. We've, we've seen that before, but I want to skip ahead to Revelation 22. In the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, we're, we're looking way forward to the very, very end. After this heaven and earth has been dissolved and a new heavens and a new earth, new Jerusalem, what does it say for those of us who are in that new Jerusalem? The blessed, all of us, the church. It says, there shall be no more curse. This is Revelation 22, verse 3. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And notice, they shall see his face, and his name shall be what? On their foreheads. On their foreheads. 
even in the new heavens and the new earth, in the new Jerusalem, we will have the stamp of God on us. I love that. I love the fact that I belong to Christ. Are you excited about belonging to Christ? It is the greatest thing. I'm so glad that I belong to him. I used to belong to the devil. I used to belong to many things. But ultimately, if I wasn't in, if I didn't belong to God, I belonged to the devil. And boy, was he a hard taskmaster. Was he a slave driver? Always showing me the things that looked really good. Tantalizing me with the, the things that glittered and the things that tasted good and that looked good. And boy, they were for a few seconds. You know, it's sort of like a Big Mac. Can I just be honest? Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you're like, no, I'll, I'll take carrots and celery sticks. But guys, the Big Mac, when you open it up, especially on television, when you see it, and it's all puffy, and it's, all, it's really, they, I don't know what they do. They, anyway, it looks much better than what it actually is when you get it. But why, when you look at it, the tear comes out of your eye, and you start to eat it. And everything is great. And then after the last bite, you're thinking, what did I do? And the older you get, the quicker that phrase comes. Why did I do that? I'm killing myself. But a stamp, you're going to belong to him. We belong to him right now. Do you belong to him? If you don't belong to Jesus, make that commitment today. Make the commitment today because of his great love for you. He's got such a great plan ahead of us. It is so bright, so glorious, so beautiful, so wonderful that words can't even describe it. They can't describe what awaits us. So much glory, so much wonder. It's going to be amazing. Honestly, there's nothing I want more. There's nothing. In John's day, soldiers were branded by their commanders, and slaves were branded by their masters. Even today in Texas. I love Texas. I love Texas. Makes me want to put on some boots. Put on a jean, some jeans with some holes in the knees. Put on my plaid shirt, my hat with my little toothpick. Got a piece of chunk of beef jerky right there in my cheek. I'm looking after the cattle. I'm looking after the Angus, the young ones running out there. And what do I do? As a, as a cattle owner, I brand them. That's my mark of ownership. They're stamped. If they get lost and they go over to you know, someone else's land, that neighbor comes to me and says, Hey, I found, uh, I found one of your cows in my yard. Well, how do you know it's mine? Well, he's got, he's got the stamp. He belongs to you. That's what we are. And I love the fact that nothing can take us out of God's hand. In John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, if God God the Father gives something to Jesus, is there anybody bold enough, is there anybody strong enough to take it out of the hand of Christ? There's nobody. There's no king of the hill big enough. The powers that be are ordered by God. He gives power on loan. He is all-powerful. There's no one who can touch him. And if you're in his hand, 
Oh, what a wonderful security. What assurance we have of salvation. See, that's something that the church doesn't show a whole lot. We don't, you know, some churches teach the assurance of salvation, but it's something that is so wonderful to know and to know it more than just intellectually, but to know it in your heart at some point, to know that you're assured, your salvation is, it's assured. It's not something you're going to lose. Are you going to mess up? Yes. Have some messed up more than others? Yes. Are they going to heaven? Yes. But the question is, are you born again? God doesn't make a mistake. Do you think the day that he put his spirit in you, do you think he didn't know that five years from then, ten years from then, twenty years from then, that you were going to do something really bad? And was he wringing his hands going, oh, i got to take it back. I can't believe he did. I, can't, I, didn't, I didn't know he would do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done this. No, he knew very well what was going to happen. He's already seen it. But does the blood of Christ cover that sin? And do you go on, Christian? Do you stand up? Uh, A man who is, you know, if you've fallen seven times, a righteous man gets back up and he keeps going. Is that your experience? Or is somebody telling you that once you mess up, oh, God's through with you, you're done. You belong to the devil. That stamp just faded off. That stamp just faded off your forehead. Now you've got the mark of the beast. There are people in churches who do cruel things like that. They treat people like that. Should never treat anybody. Even an unbeliever, we should never treat like that. You love them, then tell them the truth. We don't treat each other that way. Never treat each other that way. But these 144,000, they're preserved from the wrath of God. Notice verse 2. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Notice, they sang as it were a new song before the throne of God, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Now let me ask you the question. There seems to be a problem here. Do you see it? It sounds like the, this word they here in verse 3. Who is that they in, in, in the very beginning of verse 3? Who is it referring to? Is it referring to the 144,000? Or is it referring to the harpists that are playing their harps in heaven? The 144,000 are still on the earth, folks. And it says that this loud voice came from heaven. And then I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps, and they sang, as it were, a new song before what? The throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. Where are they? Are they on earth, or are they in heaven? They're in heaven, right? They're in heaven. So these harpists playing their harps, they will sing a song that only the 144,000 on the earth are going to be able to sing. They're going to they're know it. And they they will learn that. We don't hear the lyrics of that song, but I imagine it's wonderful. Notice verse 4, These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. Now this is another difficult spot, especially when you're talking in a mixed crowd, because it says that they were not defiled with women. Well, does that mean that women somehow are the defiling kind? Just because you're a woman, does that mean you defile? No, it doesn't mean that at all. We know that in the, in the Bible it talks about um, false religion being 
uh, like a woman, like Jezebel, who uh, encouraged her followers to engage in fornication. We know that that same apostate religion is, is here on the earth now. It's happening. And also is going to be ultimately in its summation in the tribulation period. But does that mean that women are the ones who defile? No, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, women are a blessing. Women are a blessing. In Genesis 2, what did God say to Adam? Or God say, he says, it is good, uh, it is not good, excuse me, that man should be alone, and I will make him a helper comparable to him. There's no reason, it, it, it doesn't put down women. In Hebrews 13, verse 14, even as a married couple, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, Adam and Eve, <laughs> marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. God will judge. As a married man and woman, the marriage bed is undefiled. God made that for that reason. It's a good thing within the bonds of marriage. Outside of marriage, you're in trouble. It creates a lot of hardship. A lot of, it creates a lot of pain. Because God designed for a, a husband and a wife to come together physically and emotionally within the bonds of marriage. Because it's such a strong bond. And when you make that bond outside of marriage, you are committing adultery against your own soul, against the Lord, and against whoever that person might be married to in the future. You've taken something from them that can never be gotten back. Do you understand? Why is it such a big deal? It's because of that. God's desire is to have one because it's a picture of Christ in the church. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And Christ gave his life, guys. He gave his life for her. I love what it says in Proverbs. It says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your roof. Your wife of your roof? This is a hard thing to say that three times really quickly. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured, literally intoxicated with her love. That's the secret. Drink water of your own cisterns. Men and women, if you're married, let your wife, your husband, be the one that you go to for everything. Although it is possible that these 144,000 are physically virgins, it could be, probably is, could be, but certainly it's speaking of their separation and purity unto God. They were separate unto God. They had nothing else in their life that would get in the way of it. In fact, in, um, spiritually, they were submitted to Jesus. They were devoted to him, unlike the prevailing mood and attitude of the time that they're living in. Because what does it say in Revelation 14, verse 8? It tells us that another angel followed, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And this is speaking of not only the city itself, which could be Rome, by the way. Babylon may not be Babylon. It may actually be Rome. It's probably nothing else other than that. It's either Babylon or Rome. And we'll look at that when we get into chapter 17. I have a, uh, The more I'm looking at this, the more I'm, I'm believing that Babylon, speak, spoken of in Revelation, is Rome. I can't get around it any other way because I, I still don't see Babylon, even today, 
that's not being built. I mean, uh, Nebuchadnezzar tried to rebuild it, and his life was snuffed out, and everything stopped. It's still a desert. The ruins are still there. Barely seen, but they're there, but nothing's happening. And the Bible pronounced judgment against Babylon that it wouldn't be inhabited. So I have a funny feeling that John is using Babylon as a code word for Rome. And we'll look at that. That's just my hunch. That may, opinion may change as we go, but um, you know, many people feel that way too. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.